Hey, good morning, Calvary Church. For many of you who are checking this out, it's probably somewhere around 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, uh, and thanks for being here with us. It's a bizarre season in which we find ourselves in our culture, uh, and there tons of stuff been canceled, right? Uh, schools canceled, maybe your work's been canceled, you're working from home, March Madness has been canceled, the cancellations go on and on and on, but there's one piece of encouragement, and the piece of encouragement is this, that... Man, even though there's lots of things that have been canceled, our ability to get together and study God's Word and hear from God's Word uh, has not been canceled. And so we're going to do that this morning together. We're not doing it on blue chairs at 498 White Plains Road, but you're doing it in your own chair or on your own couch uh, in your house. So hopefully you got a cup of coffee, you got your Bible, grab a pencil, maybe a piece of paper, um, and together we're going to press into what God has for us. So during this season... We also want you to know, just as pastors and elders and staff, uh, that we care for you. And we know a bunch of us are facing a lot of different things, and so we're praying for you, we're thinking of you, we're actively working on ways that we can care for you. And now we look forward to seeing maybe how God can provide some care through His Word and through His truth, and so will you join me in a word of prayer? Uh, Father, it is an interesting moment uh, as we find ourselves not together in the same room, but we know that your word and your spirit doesn't need us in the same room. And so we're thankful that even though our situation is different, we can still come together and, and hear from you. There's a lot of different emotions in this moment, Father, and I just continue to pray for your strength, your wisdom, your help. We know that you give us everything that we need, and you are all that we need. And so some of us may need Moments of reminders of that, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will help us remind us of those things. As we press into our Habakkuk series and finish it up this morning, Father, uh, will you continue to do what you've done in the weeks before and be helpful to us, help us to hear from you, provide encouragement, provide strength, and as always, we ask the Spirit and depend upon the Spirit to help us do that this morning now. Amen. Well, hey, I love the way that God sometimes works. And, and here's what I mean by that. For five weeks together as a church, we've been looking at a journal entry, right? We've been looking at some words that a guy named Habakkuk literally wrote thousands and thousands of years ago. We've been studying for five weeks words in a journal entry that were written thousands of years ago. And way back in November of 2019, I kind of decided and, and sketched out our preaching schedule for 2020 and decided that on this day, on this Sunday, these would be the words that we'd be reading and we'd be studying together. Thousands of years ago, a guy wrote down some words last fall. I kind of scheduled to be talking about those words today. And the words that were written thousands of years ago and we're scheduled months ago to talk about today our words and a topic that is so relevant and so timely and so applicable to what you're feeling and what I'm feeling and what a bunch of us are feeling, right? Today's words, today's text addresses something in this amazingly sovereign timing that is exactly the words that we need to hear in this moment as a church, as a town, as a state, as a country, and as a world. Because what Habakkuk is facing is what we're facing. And so let's kind of just remind ourselves, if you've not been with us every week, of what we've seen so far in our weeks together and where we've been. We've been studying a book written by this guy whose life 
has been hard. We've had moments that haven't made sense. And here's kind of what we've seen together. We've hit these bullet points a few times, but he's a guy who's in circumstances and God didn't stop every hard thing from happening. Habakkuk prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he didn't see God doing anything. When God finally told him how he was going to answer his prayer, God said, I'm going to answer your prayer in a way that you won't like. And as Habakkuk processed his circumstances and processed his difficulties, he went through this progression of pain, right? Just dealing with it, angry about it, processing it, accepting it. And then we've seen for a few weeks, man, that Habakkuk was in this moment where God had him waiting, waiting. And throughout those moments, Habakkuk is now looking ahead to what's coming, and, and he's looking ahead to what God has said, what is going to be in store. And so the question is, okay, what, if we remember, what's in store for this guy, for Habakkuk, as he looks ahead in circumstances that are hard, in a life that's hard, what does he see coming down the road? And what he sees coming down the road is something even worse, right? What he sees coming down the road, what he knows will happen is that his enemies are going to invade him. And when they do, it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough. Habakkuk is a guy who's had all these difficulties already, all these circumstances, all these challenges, all these moments, all these questions, all these unknowns. He's waiting, he's processing, and he's looking ahead to what he knows is going to happen. And as he looks ahead to what he knows is going to happen, how does he feel? Right? How does he feel? What emotion does he have? What feeling does he have? What thoughts does he have? Well, he writes that down in Habakkuk uh, chapter 3, verse 16, and we're going to be finishing up chapter 3 together. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16. And here's Habakkuk writing down, really honestly, how he's feeling. He says this, I hear, and by hearing he means I'm thinking about what's coming down the road, and he says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Here's what Habakkuk's saying. Is he's saying, you know what, man, as I look ahead to what's coming, my body trembles. My lips quiver. This rottenness seems like it's attacking me. What Habakkuk's saying is real simply, man, I'm scared. I'm scared. He said, what's coming down the pike is scary, and I feel fear. And so today's text is going to be about fear. And in our text today, in Habakkuk processing through this today, we're going to see two myths about fear and one step to effectively confront fear. Two myths about fear, one step to effectively confront fear. And I think that's why this text on this day and this moment is so timely. You know why it's timely? Because a lot of us are like Habakkuk, right? Today, Sunday at 10 o'clock or whenever you're watching this video, man, there's a lot of us who are perhaps afraid. There's a lot of people in our culture who are afraid. This coronavirus deal has gotten a lot of people feeling a lot of different things. And this morning, you probably feel something related to the coronavirus, right? It's probably caused you some sort of emotion as you look at your circumstances and think about what's coming. For, for some of you, maybe the emotion that you feel is just frustration, 
because your whole life has taken a, gone a, on a big time out, right? You had plans, you had vacations, you had cruises, you had business trips, and man, it's just like time out, you and your family stuck in your house watching Netflix, and you're just kind of frustrated because you don't know what to do, you don't know when it's going to end. For others of us, maybe it's not frustration that we feel, but for others of you, maybe you feel exactly what Habakkuk feels and felt. You feel fear. Fear. And maybe this morning, some of you and some of us are afraid. We're, we're afraid of getting sick, right? Whether that is justified or warranted, that's not really the conversation for today because no matter whether it is or whether it isn't, you, you still just feel afraid. Because you're thinking, man, what if I get sick? What if I, maybe I'm healthy, but maybe I pass it on to somebody else? There's fear about getting sick. Maybe for some of you, the fear that you have is you're watching that stock market tumble. And you have financial fear. Maybe you're a small business owner, or maybe you're in an industry that's impacted by what the coronavirus is doing, either in the airline or tourism or all sorts of different industries. And you have fear about, am I going to have a paycheck in a few months? And all sorts of fears, right? It's interesting in a season of fear, we're studying a text where Habakkuk is saying, hey, I'm afraid. And we're seeing this morning together, and we're going to see what God has to say about fear. And we're going to learn that from a guy named Habakkuk who knew God, who trusted God, who believed in God, who prayed to God. And yet, with all that faith, he was still a man who was afraid. That kind of brings us to the first myth this morning about fear. And, and here's the first myth this morning about fear. The first myth this morning about fear is this, that Christians will never feel fear. Christians will never feel fear. That's a myth. Maybe you, over the past few days, man, you've been Netflix, you know, on Netflix, streaming all sorts of stuff. Maybe what you've streamed, or maybe you remember, right, this movie out there called The Incredibles. I think there's been a few of them, but here's the deal with The Incredibles. It's a cartoon. I don't remember if Pixar did it or whoever did it, um, but it's a family. It's a family of superheroes, and the mom has a superpower, the dad has a superpower, and the little kids have the superpower. There's one of the Incredibles, and if you've not seen it, you can finish watching this sermon and then go watch it, right? There, there's one daughter. Her name is Violet. Violet's kind of like this, this emo child, right? Kind of this goth, a little bit melancholy. But Violet's superpower is, man, Violet, in any given moment, she can make a force field, right? So the bullets are coming. The building's crashing. Bad guys are trying to punch her. And Violet just goes, whoop! And there's this big force field around her. And this force field protects her from anything that's coming at her. And it can't get to her. It bounces off. But here's the reality for you and for me this morning as Christians. We're not like Violet, right? We as Christians don't have this big magic force field that surrounds us that instantly keeps all fear from coming. You and I, we're going to have moments in life like you may be having right now where we're going to experience fear. Some of the greatest characters in the Bible were people who had great moments of fear. For those of you who are familiar with different stories throughout the Bible, there's different characters who God, different people, who God put through different moments. And in different moments, man, a lot of these men and a lot of these women, what they wrote down or what they said or what they prayed was, hey, we're scared. We're fearful. To feel fear in different moments of life doesn't mean that you don't have faith. To feel fear 
in different moments of life simply means that you're human. It simply means that you're human. So the question is, okay, what causes fear? We see some of what caused fear from Habakkuk is knowing what was coming down the pike. But for you and for me and for this moment and for today, well, what are some of the things that cause fear in your life, in my life? Well, sometimes we're afraid of what is known. We know something. And that fact, that reality, that truth, it triggers all sorts of fears. In other moments, the thing that can make us really scared and really worried and really anxious are all the unknowns. There's lots we don't know. And in those moments, our imagination can start going crazy, our imagination can take off, and we start feeling fear not about what we know, but we start feeling fear about what we don't know and what could be and what might be. In different moments of life, sometimes you and I are afraid of what could happen. In different moments of life, you and I are afraid of things that we know will happen. In some moments in life, you and I are afraid of things that we can't control. I think a lot of time, if we're honest, the level of our fear often goes up when our lack of control goes up. When there's something going on that we don't think we can control and we realize we can't control it, man, that tends to increase the fear and the anxiety and the worry and the stress that we feel about it. And if there's anything <clears throat> and one thing that all of us have kind of learned in the past week, it's w we really can't control a whole lot, right? It's, it's not that we've lost control this week. What we've lost is the illusion that we actually ever had control. What we've seen this week is that despite all our technology, despite all of our progress, a little virus, not a little virus, but man, there's things that happen in our world that we have no way of controlling. And many times when we can't control things, those things cause fear. Are you feeling fear this morning? Are you feeling frustration this morning? If you're feeling fear, what's causing that fear for you? And how is that fear impacting you? What is it doing to you? Amidst all the fear, amidst all the unknowns, amidst all the uncertainties that we're facing as a people and as a world, right, right now, uh, let me just kind of share some things that are known. And let me share some facts with you about Calvary and COVID-19. And this was something we sent out to you in an email earlier this week, but there may be some of you who have stumbled upon this video stream somehow who haven't been up to date. And let me just kind of say this, right? In moments like this, we want to do as good as a job as we can, clearly and frequently communicating with you about different steps we're taking and how it impacts our, impacts our ministry here at Calvary. But we can't do that if we don't have your contact info, okay? So if somehow you've stumbled into this live stream, this video stream, and we don't have your contact info, right? Man, I want you to pull up your email right now, and I want you to email office at calvaryefc.com, and I'd love for you to give your name, your phone number, and your email so that we can add you to our database so that when we send out announcements about what's going on or how things are changing or anything like that, that you can be in the know about that. But for folks who we have your email, here's some information we sent you earlier this week, some facts that are known about Calvary and our response to COVID, um, perhaps just to remove some anxiety or some unknown. So let me just share these with you. Again, a bunch of you have read this, but there's probably going to be some people watching this who haven't heard this. So here's what we've shared earlier this week. 
Nobody we know of at Calvary Church presently has COVID-19. Nobody we know of at Calvary Church has interacted with anybody who has COVID-19. Again, if we were to learn of that, uh, we would instantly inform the health department and the appropriate authorities, and then we would do what they tell us to do, which I'm confident would involve informing you. Again, if we don't have your contact info, we can't inform you of that. And so that goes back to why it's so important. Obviously, you're not here. You're home, right? And I bet some of you are in your jammies. You're not here because what we've told you is for this Sunday and then for next Sunday, we're not going to be gathering together for worship services today. As you can tell, it's just the sermon that's being video streamed. But next Sunday at 10 o'clock, we're going to video stream the entire service. So there'll be the worship component as well as the sermon um, component. We're not holding any events, any activities, any groups, any ministries, uh, we we kind of wound those down earlier last week, mid last week, and then we're not going to resume those uh, through the 23rd. So everything is canceled until March 23rd, and then on March 24th, we're on or before that date, we're going to reassess and recommunicate with you about when and if different activities are going to resume, okay? So nothing's going on until and through March 23rd. On or before March 24th, we're going to recommunicate with you about what our situation is and timeframes of things resuming. Even though activities, events are all canceled, our office is still open, uh, our staff is still working, it's actually interesting, right? There's a ton of planning to do for the fall. We're rethinking curriculum um, and teaching modules for our students. Um, there's planning for different events. So we're still here. If you need us, call the office, email us. We're still kind of continuing business as normal. And any and all updates, we're going to keep sending out via email or jump on our website and we're going to be posting those on the homepage. So I just wanted to kind of, amidst all the unknowns, and amidst all the what's and amidst all the questions that all of us are asking about everything kind of in our culture right now, I wanted to remind us or perhaps tell some of us for the first time Calvary's decision about what we're going to be doing into responding to those things. So Habakkuk was in a moment where life was hard, circumstances were tough, he looked ahead at what was coming, and he was a man of great faith, and yet despite his great faith, he felt fear. And you and I are people, many of us of faith, right? But despite our faith, maybe this morning you're feeling fear. And in those moments of fear, there's some unhelpful ways to respond. And maybe it's a way that the past few days you've responded. Maybe it's a way that, that we're responding, right? There are different unhelpful ways to respond to fear. The first of those is kind of this idea of resignation. Resignation. It's this idea where we just kind of become hopeless. We've lost hope in a fatalistic way. We just kind of accept all this stuff is going to happen. Maybe when we've lost hope, maybe when we become a little fatalistic, we've become fatalistically accepting of things that are in our imagination that may never, ever come to pass. But one way that people respond wrongly to fear is this idea of just resignation, give up. The sky is falling. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to sit here and I'll let it crash down upon me. A second ineffective way that people respond is this idea of detachment, escape. We try not to think about it, right? We don't want to think about the reality of what actually is happening. We ignore it. We try to escape it. 
We tried to numb ourselves from of it in many of those avenues of escape and detachment aren't always the healthiest. The third unhelpful way that perhaps you've been responding the past few days or somebody's been telling you to respond is this idea, man, I'm just, we're just going to be brave, right? We're just going to, we're going to suck it up. We're going to pull up ourselves up by the bootstraps. We're going to grind through it, right? Sometimes in moments of fear, what we tell ourselves or what other people tell us or what we tell other people is this, hey, don't let it bother you. Man, just suck it up. Grind it out. Be brave. Be courageous. And really, those are kind of empty words because none of us want to be afraid. And if we could help ourselves be courageous and be brave, we wouldn't be afraid in the first place. It's different, ineffective, unhelpful ways to respond in moments of fear by resignation, Right, fatalistically accepting it, this idea of detachment or escape, or this idea of, well, we're going to work really hard to be really brave, but we don't really know how we're going to do that. And sometimes when we think about all the unhelpful ways to respond to fear, right, giving ourselves pep talks or whatever it is, there's this myth, second myth that flows from that. And here's the second myth, that there's no effective way to confront fear. The second myth that we sometimes feel is this, that there's no effective way to confront fear. And that's a myth. That's a myth because there is, in fact, a way, there is, in fact, a path forward that you and that I have that can be helpful in confronting fear. And it's not a way that I've made up. It's not like I read a book and come up with it. It's a way that actually God has given to us. God gave to Habakkuk and God has given to us through Habakkuk a way that this morning, this day, you and I together can helpfully and can effectively confront fear. And what did Habakkuk do in this moment? How did he approach his fear? How did he process through it? How did he try to confront it? How did he try to find a place to stand in this moment amidst his fear? Well, that approach is seen in verses 3 through 15. So, the text is a little like we're kind of looking at different places, right? Habakkuk tells us what he's feeling, but then before that he's told us now how he's trying to approach it. Verses 3 through 15 of chapter 3 tell us this approach that Habakkuk took to try to find a place to stand amidst his fear, to try to get some balance amidst his fear. And what he does in those verses is he very purposefully and he very intentionally reminds himself and recounts to himself the things that God has done in the past and who God is. He does that. He remembers what God has done and how God's acted and who God is. He uses this poetic kind of imagery to do that. Then let's kind of just pull out a few of those things. Some examples that Habakkuk looks to of who God is. Verse 3, he uses these words. God came from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. Now, Taman and Mount Paran, they're mountain ranges, kind of in the the Sinai desert area, the Egyptian area, the the Israel area. And here's what Habakkuk is remembering. He's remembering this. I mean, there was a moment in time when the Jewish people, when the Israelites were in trouble, when they were slaves. And in that moment, what he's remembering is, you know what? God came as if coming from these mountain ranges, as if coming from these different areas of the world, and he came to where they were, and he showed up. What Habakkuk's reminding himself of has been a moment when the Jewish people looked around and it seemed like life was hopeless and there was fear and they were enslaved. In that moment, God showed up. 
He, he continues with this other reminder, verse 8. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the seas? Again, figurative language, but Habakkuk's looking back to still God providing for the Jewish people. And there were two different moments in the history of the Jewish people when their backs weren't necessarily up against a wall, but when their backs were up against this massive body of water. And there were these situations and these circumstances, and they had to get across this body of water, and Habakkuk's remembering this miracle, where in a supernatural way in that moment, God showed up to part those waters, to give them a way through it. And that's looking back, remembering how they came through the Red Sea when they were escaping Egypt. And then also this other moment when they came to this Jordan River and they were, had to get across to the land that God had promised. And they had to literally cross that river. And the river was cold and the river was fast and the river was deep and the river was dangerous. And God in that moment showed up in those circumstances to powerfully and to divinely help them and meet them and get them across to where he was calling them to go. Next reminder, verse 11, he says, The sun and the moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. The sun and the moon stood still in their place. There's this miracle in the Bible where the Jewish people were in this battle and God made the day go longer, right? God had the sun stop from setting so that the people would have more time to fight and to win and to persevere. And then kind of one last one as he's thinking about God's character, as he's thinking about who God is and what God's done, he says this in verse 13. You went out, for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. What he's saying is that as he looks back to what God has done in the past, so much of God's past actions have been motivated by his concern and his care and his love for his people. Habakkuk's in this moment looking ahead at what's coming and he's scared and he's fearful. And he has to find some way to process through that. And so in that moment, what he does to process through it is he starts remembering and he starts looking back to what God has done in the past and how in the past God has shown up and God has provided. And there's something really interesting about all the different examples that Habakkuk goes to. What's so interesting about all the examples that Habakkuk pulled out is, you know what? You know what those people in those moments were feeling? They were scared. They were freaked out. They didn't have control, right? The illusion for control for them in those moments was gone. They knew that it wasn't under their control anymore. They knew that things were happening to them that they couldn't stop or things needed to happen that they couldn't start. And they were scared. And the moment of their fear, the moment of their anxieties, the moment of their worries, God was there. He cared for them. He loved them, and he showed up for them. And in the moment of Habakkuk's worries, and in the moment of Habakkuk's fears, and in the moment of Habakkuk's anxieties, what he looked to to try to find a path forward was remembering how God had showed up for those scared people in the past and who he was and what he could do and how he cared, and for you and for me. If you're feeling fear, if we're feeling worried, if we're feeling anxious, man, we have the opportunity to do exactly what Habakkuk does. And in this moment, 
look back, think about how God has provided for these people throughout the Bible, think about how God provided for Habakkuk, and we can look back in our own lives, in our own stories, in our own past moments of fear, and we can think about how God has provided for us in the past. And the past provisions of God in moments when we didn't have control and we felt fear can give us something to stand upon in this moment when we feel like we may not have control and we feel like we may have some fear. Here's the step to effectively confront fear. Focus on what God has done and who he is. Focus on what God has done and who he is. That, that's what the text tells us to do. That's what Habakkuk tells us to do. That is what this morning and this day God is telling me to do. It's what he's telling you to do. Is what he's telling us to do. And he's telling us to do it because it will be effective and helpful in helping us start to move past our fear and move forward. Now, it doesn't mean our fear is going to be completely alleviated, right? It's not a magic wand that, like, we're going to look back and think about the something good God's done in our life, and boom, we're instantly going to be, like, carefree. It's not going to instantly remove our fear. It didn't instantly remove Habakkuk's fear. He's still kind of in this, this, this whirlpool of processing through that, but you know what it did do for him? It gave him something to stand upon. It gave him something to anchor to. What it did do for Habakkuk was it gave him some handles to hold on to about who God was that he could cling to when everything around him was spinning and there was fear and there was a lack of control and there was an anxiety. The handles he hung to and he clung to in that moment was knowing who God was and how God had acted in the past. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We don't fight our fear by trying to minimize the thing that is making us fearful. We don't fight our fear by trying to minimize the thing that is making us fearful. We fight our fear by looking to something bigger and something better than the thing that is making us fearful. And the thing that we look to that is bigger and that is better than anything that is making you fearful is God. By doing that, Habakkuk, this guy who still had lots of questions, this guy who still had lots of unknowns, this guy who still had lots of uncertainties, because he grabbed the handles of who God was and because he wasn't simply trying to minimize the thing that was making him fearful, because he was holding on to something that was bigger and better than the thing that was making him fearful, Habakkuk was able to then <clears throat> write these words that are the final concluding words of his journal, and he writes this. Though the fig tree should not blossom, what he's essentially doing is he's saying, man, my circumstances are bad now, and my circumstances are going to get worse. But even if it were to all fall apart, right, this is what he's saying. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the folds, and there be no herd in the stall. He's saying, even if it all falls apart, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will take joy in the God of my salvation. You know what he's saying, man? Even if it all keeps crumbling, I'm going to hold on to God. And even if it fall, falls apart, and even if all the what coulds and the what mights, even if those happen, man, I'm still going to rejoice. I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to give God the worth that he is due because of what he has done and because of who he is. And I'm going to hold on to that and I will rejoice. Did this instruction <clears throat> to focus on God, right? It's nothing new. It's nothing you probably haven't heard before. Nothing that's another pastor, another book, or another sermon hasn't told you. But you know what? Sometimes in moments of life, we don't need to hear anything new. Sometimes in moments of life, what we need to be reminded of is what is true. And that's what Habakkuk has done for, for you and for me and for us this morning. He's reminded us of what is true and he's reminded us that by clinging to what is true, we have some handles to hold on to and a foundation on which to stand in moments when we feel fearful. And, and here is what is true. God has done incredible things for you in your life. Here's what's true. He's with you now. Here's what's true. God is absolutely in control. God is still on the throne. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. And God is good. And that is true. And you and I and we have a choice. In this moment, in these circumstances, and these unknowns and this fear, are we going to cling to him and are we going to give him the worth that he is due? And by doing so, are we going to give ourselves a foundation on which we can stand and a path through which we can navigate our fear? Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Those were Habakkuk's final words. And are those going to be the words that you and that I are going to be able to say in this season and in this moment in our world? Man, we're great, grateful you guys joined us this morning. Uh, we look forward to next week, right? Same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, jump back on our website at 10 o'clock, uh, and we'll look forward to gathering together both for a sermon and for worship uh, as a community gathered online, even not in a building on White Plains Road. Uh, and as you go about your day, right, um, and probably every hour news is going to change and circumstances are going to shift, let me just leave you with this word some other timeless words that are a benediction and a prayer from our staff, our elders, our leaders, and our team for you and for your family. And, and here's the words with which we'll end today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and may he give you peace.
Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next Sunday.